In this country, we believe that there should be freedom for all, even though not all of us believe in it. Join Tom and Chase as they explore politics, economics, and everything else that threatens your individual liberty. This is The Freeform Podcast. We are live. All right, guys. Welcome back to the 10th episode of The Free For All Podcast. Um, it's awesome. It's I mean, it's 10 already. We said it's already nine last week, but the weeks just seem to go by pretty fast, especially because we have so much fun putting this together for you guys. But we're glad to have you all back here with us. And like, we want to thank you guys for listening. A lot of these podcasts are pretty long and it's tough to stay tuned. But I see looking at the analytics, I see you guys are listening for a good amount of time, most of you. So I really appreciate it. And as always, you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that's YouTube, Spotify, uh, Google Play, Apple Podcasts. Be sure to connect with us on our Instagram at Free For All Podcast and over on Twitter at FFA Podcast 1776. And be sure to follow and subscribe to us and uh, keep up to date with the show and what's going on. Yeah, so uh, this week, you know, uh, as we've talked about numerous times before, um, the U.S. government and its deficit spending are just completely out of line. Our government seems to just think that simply printing money that isn't backed by anything somehow makes everything better. Just based on current projections that we have right now, uh, the Biden administration is expected to hit well over $4 trillion in deficit spending in the first year alone. Um, That's obviously now increased with the fact that he signed this stimulus bill today. Um, Much of the spending is just going to foreign aid programs, you know, funding gender reassignment surgeries in foreign countries, as well as the widely publicized COVID bill that I just mentioned that he signed today. Um, On top of this, Biden has also passed more gun control this week effectively making gun ownership even more difficult for law-abiding citizens, which does absolutely nothing but further the constitutional divide and deprive Americans of liberty. But, you know, the first topic we wanted to get into was this week was the deficit spending. Um, as many of you heard, Biden signed this $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill today. And I, I wanted to start off this segment by simply stating the fact that this bill is already a hypocrisy on Biden's part, considering the fact that he campaigned on a promise of two $2,000 uh, stimulus checks for all Americans, but yet these are $600 less than what he promised. They're also coming some two months after Biden actually said that they would show up. You know, He said that that was literally the first thing that he was going to get done once he got into office, but instead he uh, made you know quick work of these 50-plus executive orders that he's now signed. Another issue with this whole stimulus package is now that the goalposts have been moved yet again, you know, as his administration has now lowered the net income threshold to be excluded from the stimulus payments, meaning that even if you got the first two, you're probably not going to be eligible for uh, the third one, or you might not be able to receive the one that's coming out right now. Um, He's also decided to tuck three separate tax hikes on the wealthiest Americans uh, into the bill, which are only expected to bring in about $60 billion in revenue, despite the bill being itself being $1.9 trillion. Yeah, that's crazy. And like you said, he was really quick to do the executive orders, and he really wanted to reverse what Trump did and everything that, uh, you know, it's, it's just more symbolic than anything for him to be doing that. Um, and then he's pushing aside all these other things that he campaigned on, like the like the $2,000 checks and like $15 minimum wage, but $1.9 trillion, that's that's insane. Like our national debt right now is over $28 trillion and our projected physical sp- fiscal spending for 2021 was $8 trillion. 
And if you add in the stimulus, it's now nearly $10 trillion. And they're only expected to take in about $3.5 trillion in tax revenue, which pretty much means the federal government is going to run a deficit of at least $6.5 trillion if we don't have any more stimulus, which I, I feel like at this point that I, I don't really see the economy really getting better. So unless they decide to, uh, if, if everything just changes in the next couple of months and it's a cl- complete 180 from what we've been seeing, then maybe we won't get any more stimulus, but it just seems like this is going to be a continuing thing. But we knocked on Trump for adding debt, but it looks like Biden's going to easily eclipse what Trump did. And, uh, you know, Trump eclipsed Obama and Obama eclipsed Bush. And it's just a spiral of debt that gets exponentially worse with each administration. Throughout this bill, I mean, you talk about a little bit of tax increases, but not really any mention of any real increase in tax revenue. So obviously that means that they're going to have to print a lot more money to make up for this loss. Yeah. And the biggest problem that I have with the bill is the fact that the government just seems to think that printing more money out of thin air is somehow going to help people when it's really just doing the opposite. Because what what you're doing when you're printing more money is you, you just have this massive increase in inflation. All you're doing is adding more money to the economy, but that money doesn't really have any value to it. All you're doing is devaluing the money that you have currently and making it harder to purchase like everyday commodities like gasoline and groceries. Yeah, exactly. And Peter Schiff on his podcast, Peter Schiff Show, he alluded to the fact that during the pandemic, there was all this increase in the money supply. Um, What was it like four trillion dollars or something? It's crazy, which I think it's like at least like a doubling or tripling or something crazy. Like you can look at a chart of the money supply. So the total amount of money in circulation in the US. And that's basically one of the tools that the Fed uses to control. And you can see over time, it just keeps increasing. And over the past year, it's been scary, uh, scary, crazy how fast it's going up. Sorry, I don't have the statistics in front of me, but. All during the pandemic, there was this increase in the money supply and everybody got this free money from the government, but not much was produced, like not many goods or services. We talked about that last week uh, with, you know, the fact that uh, China had the only growing GDP last year in the entire world. Everybody else was lacking. And it's crazy because I talked about how Trump's um, tariffs against China or Trump's, you know, implementations against China actually increased our trade deficit. And last year with coronavirus and everything, our deficit was the highest it's ever been, or our trade deficit, well, and federal deficit. But, uh, you know, all this, all this money supply, everybody's getting free money, not much is produced. And the Fed's trying to say that printing money doesn't increase inflation now, which is absolutely crazy. It's textbooks in, textbook inflation, like just having a, a bare understanding of economics, you would know this, but obviously I've studied it. I've agree in finance. I've taken multiple economics and finance courses. And obviously, when you're going to increase the amount of dollars chasing the same and maybe even less goods, and I say less because of the manufacturing shutdowns early on, you know, you have more dollars chasing the same or less goods. It's it's just going to increase the price of those goods. It's obvious. Yeah. And Tom and I talked extensively, uh, you know, this past week about how much the price of oil, you know, gas prices at the pump have increased uh, since Biden's been in office. I, I've wanted to purchase a truck for a while now. And, um, you know, hopefully in the near future, I'm able to. But right now I'm very hesitant to purchase 
you know, the two trucks I was looking at were either a, a Raptor or uh, a Tacoma, like a TRD. Um, and I'm very hesitant to, to go in on either of those because I don't want to pay for the gas to run them. And, you know, it, in that case, I'd, I'd rather opt for something like Tesla's Cybertruck, uh, which Elon Musk says is going to be put into production sometime this summer or late this fall. And, you know, that's fully electric and I'd be able to avoid the extra hit in my wallet just to maintain uh, just to maintain a truck and run it. You know, I wouldn't have to pay for the increased prices in gas and, uh, you know, the maintenance to to maintain those cars. I don't want to deal with any of that. So, you know, that's where I lean right now. But it's like even then, the, it's the the fact that these prices just continue to go up and they don't show any signs of stopping right now. Gas prices just increase week after week. You know, the, the cost to run my Mustang now, it's tuned on 93 pump gas. So the cost to fill my tank went from, you know, I think the last two weeks Trump was in office, I was paying about 25 or $30 to fill my tank and now it's close to 40. So yeah. it, it's just insane the amount that gas keeps going up, but it, it's, you're going to see prices of all commodities, not even just gas. Um, continue to go up with the way things are going because your currency is being devalued and therefore producers of goods require more money to give you that good or service because your money is worth less. Yes, precisely. And and since these, um, you know, and since your money is worth less and since these commodities are going up in price, whether or not the consumer is realizing what the Fed's doing, you know, the Fed says that people aren't going to realize inflation no matter what they do. Well, commodity prices are starting to go up and that's going to affect input prices. So the price, you know, at the store, the price at the pump, et cetera, is all going to be going up and people are going to start to realize it really fast. And the Fed's not going to have much. And we posted, I posted something about this on our Instagram at uh, Free For All Podcast. And you know the fed doesn't have much leeway to fight inflation because it's lowered interest rates down all the way and it's jacked up the uh, the economy on all this cheap money and the bubble is all you know the whole foundation of the bubble is essentially the fed's cheap money and it's it's these businesses being able to buy back their stocks and you know all this other stuff and people people hedging with uh uh united states treasuries which I don't even know why people trust the United States Treasury anymore. Yeah. Um, you know, we had uh, Pierce on our show a couple episodes back, you know, um, our friend who's, uh, who's a doctor and everything. Um, I was talking to his younger brother earlier this week, along with another one of our friends um, who, who, who trades stocks and stuff like that. That's how he makes his money um, and makes his living. And he was talking about how Back in 2008, when the housing bubble burst and, you know, our, the economy crashed back uh, right when Bush left office and everything, you know, the the amount of houses that went under foreclosure uh, back then, I think he said, was somewhere around um, there were like 25 million homes in foreclosure. And he was like, I don't know if any of y'all have been paying attention to it, but he was like, you know, right now he goes, we're sitting right at about 15, uh, 15 million houses that are about to go in foreclosure. So he's like, you yeah. know, you're 10, you're 10, 10 million foreclosures away from an economic crisis that we had or from an economic crisis that is of the same magnitude that we had back in 2008. And that's very scary to think about. 
Yeah, and this time it's not just the houses. They've essentially pumped up everything. And you can see particularly in these tech stocks, which essentially have zero physical assets. I mean, they have intangible assets. You know, they have uh, copyrights and patents and stuff like that. But, you know, all these all these fang stocks, these these big tech companies, they don't they don't really have a lot of uh, tangible assets and they could just be taken over tomorrow by a bigger, better company. But yet they they are the highest valued companies in the world ever. Yeah, essentially, at this point, our, our, our economy is just being propped up by nothing. Yeah. One of the points I was getting at earlier when I say that, you know, the cheap money is really bad mm-hmm. is you were talking about the 2008 financial crisis. One of the problems was what's called leverage in the financial world. And essentially, when you're buying a house, you are you you have you have some sort of leverage. So say you put 20 percent down on the house and the house goes up in value 10 percent. Um, you know, you could turn around and sell it and just pay off your loan and then make all that money. You don't need to worry about, um, you know, paying back the loan first necessarily. So what happens with these companies is instead of instead of issuing equity, instead of issuing stocks, they'll just go out to to banks and then just take out loans and they take out loans of very cheap money and uh, they keep jacking up their stocks and the problem is if the if the interest rates ever go up they won't be able to do this anymore and the stocks will just be yeah so we had that whole situation going on this week you know with the covid stimulus and and all of that um and then it just kind of out of the blue nobody nobody really paid attention to this at all was you know this whole gun control bill that Biden passed under everybody's noses um that nobody knew about on Thursday and it's like surprise, surprise! Everybody kind of, kind of knew this was coming. We didn't think it would be this fast, and we definitely didn't hear anything about it. Um, but the bill basically requires more advanced background checks in order to purchase firearms. And the main problem that I have with this is that we already have laws requiring advanced background checks to purchase firearms. A lot of people seem to be under the impression that you can simply walk into a shop and then walk out with a gun the same day, which just simply isn't the case. Um, Every person that purchases a firearm uh, in the United States has to go- undergo a background check, whether that's at a gun show, whether that's at a gun shop, uh, you know, it's the, the policy is the same. You're undergoing a background check before you can take the gun home. And then you're also subject to a waiting period, which also varies by state. Um, in the state of Florida, it's typically three days. In some states, it's even longer. I know in California, I think it's 10. But, you know, in, in certain states, this uh, waiting period can also be voided with a concealed carried weapons permit, which requires an even uh, more intense background check. And you're e- actually even added to an FBI database once you have one. Yeah. And I, yeah, they at that point, you basically give them all your information, your photo, your fingerprints, uh, social security number, criminal record, uh, etc. I mean, you, you pretty much give them all that information just for background check for a gun, even. Yeah. And... These advanced background checks are doing absolutely nothing, obviously, one, because we already have background checking laws in place, but two, you're just adding more red tape, making it even harder for law-abiding citizens to purchase and maintain ownership of firearms. Um, like, I, like I just said, we already have these background checking laws in place. Why do we need more of them? People just seem to think for some odd reason that criminals utilize the system to obtain firearms and that they then go and use these firearms to commit mass shootings or other crimes. And all of us know that this is anything but the case because criminals don't purchase firearms legally for the, for the most part, uh, because if they do, 
they know that they can be caught fairly easily because that weapon can be tracked based on, you know, uh, the cartridge that it fires, uh, where it was purchased, uh, where it was used to commit said crime. All these factors are used to uh, narrow down the suspect list or whatever. They know that they can be caught fairly easily if they if they utilize a legal system to obtain the firearm that they use to commit crimes. Yeah. You know, this is why, uh, you know, in the same way that there's a black market for drugs that you can go and buy drugs off the street, there's also one for firearms. Strict laws tend to produce black markets as an alternative to doing things legally. Um, and, you know, as libertarians, we're always going to hammer on the point that all gun laws are unconstitutional, that every American has the right to own firearms. Yeah, and it, it, it's crazy. It's just like like you said, it's the same thing with drugs. And it, it's crazy that people think that you're just going to add more laws and things are just going to go away. I mean, I, I, I agree that there's somewhat of a deterrent, but for the most part, if somebody really wants to commit a crime, they're just going to do it anyway. And uh, one of the examples I like to point out is people who are in prison can still like get drugs, can still get phones or whatever. And it, it's just it, that that's just the most lockdown place. That's the most, you know, you've already committed crimes, so you're already under the watch and suspected to commit more crimes. And yet you're committing another one and you, you're getting away with it. So it's crazy to think that people think outside you know outside the the jail or the prisoner system or whatever that these laws are really gonna prevent all sorts of drug crime and gun crime etc and it's a hypocrisy on the right to not believe in gun laws but believe in drug laws and it's a hypocrisy on the left to not believe in drug laws but believe in gun laws um and you know the whole point of the second amendment is to rebel against tyranny and it's it's so obvious like with all the shutdowns and the challenging of the election they're just going to try to push this now to counter something like white nationalism or whatever, some sort of a boogeyman agenda. Yeah. And I watched the movie, the Patriot, the other, the other night. Um, it's a very good movie. I don't know if uh, any of y'all have seen it. If you haven't, I'd highly recommend it. Uh, it's, it's a movie featuring Mel Gibson and Heath Ledger and two very, very good actors, but it's a movie about the revolutionary war through the eyes of a farmer who's played by Mel Gibson uh, in South Carolina, who originally votes against going to war with the British due to his own personal experiences fighting in the American Indian Wars. Um, his eldest son, who's played by Heath Ledger, signs up to fight in the Continental Army despite his father's wishes. And the war soon ends up basically in his own front yard where he watches a British, uh, a British officer shoot his 12-year-old son and kill him at point-blank range. Um, at this point in the movie, he sets out for vengeance after watching these British soldiers kill innocent women and children like his son, uh, people that had absolutely nothing to do with the conflict that was going on. And the movie, whether it was intended to or not, makes a very, very good case for gun rights. Uh, at one point in the beginning of the movie, Mel Gibson's character says, why should I trade a tyrant who lives 3,000 miles away for 3,000 tyrants that live one mile away? And what he's talking about and what he means by this is that even if the revolution is success successful, there's still people that think the way that King George did. There's still people that, you know, are his neighbors and, you know, live in his town that want to rule over everybody and hold power no matter what the cost is, you know, the British loyalists. And the founding fathers of this country set forth the right to bear arms as a right granted to all American citizens. Uh, we need to remember that the founding fathers and, you know, their constituents had just fought and won a revolution against a tyrannical government that wanted to control everything in their lives. And the only way that they achieved their end goal of freedom was by waging a violent rebellion. 
Just because this happened in the 1700s doesn't mean that tyrannical government can't just do this again, um, because they have. And they've done this under the guise of democracy. This whole gun control law, this whole deal that you know Biden's trying to pass under our noses um, is just a hu- another huge hypocrisy on his part. I- I'm so damn tired of saying that because of the fact that he literally claimed that he wouldn't do anything to infringe on the Second Amendment. You know, I can't tell you how many people on Twitter were like, oh, Biden's not going to take your guns. Don't worry about that. You know, and it turns out all along that that's false. And I I also want to hammer this point home to the thin blue line conservatives. You, you know who you are. Um, could you just imagine if, you know, these police that you shill for on a daily basis, you know, you say, don't tread on me, thin blue line, back the blue. Um, can you imagine if these police that you shill for on a daily basis were the the only people that were allowed to carry firearms? You know, they're an arm of the state used to enforce state laws and regulations. And if the state demands that your guns be confiscated, who do you think is going to show up at your door to come and take them from you? It's not going to be you know President Joe Biden himself. He's not going to show up at your door asking you to put your gun in a box or something like that. You know, he's going to send the police officers to your house. He's going to say, oh, yeah, there are six firearms in this house and we need to take every single one of them. Come and hand them over. These police that you think are, are oh so good and are there to protect you, at the end of the day, that's not what they're there for. They're there to instate to enforce state laws and regulations. And, you know, they're not inherently good as you think they are. All of us at the end of the day as American citizens have the right to own guns and use them to protect our families and our property. And simply relying on the police to take care of that for you is the same mistake that colonists made back in the 1700s and trusting the British troops that were garrisoned in their towns to protect them. It took simple orders from King George for them to begin executing colonists who they were literally sent there to protect from the start. Execute Order 66. Essentially. But yeah, I mean, whenever that happens, uh, it's, it's going to happen. When tyranny comes, it'll just be, you'll wake up one day and it'll be there. And we're, we're slowly like a, like a frog in a, like turning up the, the boiling water or whatever. We're, we're slowly allowing government, these vehicles to t- take control of us and we're just going to turn around one day and they're going to be using all of them. But these thin blue line people, you know, the same people that say uh, they're just doing their job to feed their families. You know, this argument's going to be used against parents who go along with their child's gender reassignment surgery. Or who refuse to go along with it. Yeah, who refuse to go along with it. Yeah, you know, the cops are going to come after them. They're going to take their child from them and, from them and allow the child to determine, you know, whether they're uh, six years old and uh, they just like the color pink or whatever they're gonna allow the child to get gender reassignment and just mess with all their hormones and everything and potentially ruin their life but you know all this is under biden's new health secretary who by the way is a fat transgender who wants to lecture you about how you can treat your body and your child's body but the cops are going to be the people coming after you in that circumstance and conservatives talk all the time about god and family or whatever hell they even call themselves conservative yet when the state chooses to violate their rights, whether it be guns or like feeding your child hormones or and like chopping stuff off of them, they step back because they don't want to go against the state. They, it, it's crazy. They humanize the government and the government does the most inhumane things. And that's why we need guns. And I don't understand these thin blue liners. I actually, I, I just saw a story earlier this week. This wasn't in the United States. It was actually in Canada somewhere. Um, but 
there was a uh, there's a father who went to court in Canada because his child was taken from him by the police. And the excuse that the Canadian government gave um, for having the police force do this, uh, take his child away from him, was because of the fact that he attended anti-mask protests. And they were saying that Mm. uh, because of the fact that his father attended an anti-mask protest, that he now had created an unsafe environment to raise his child and that he was now a ward of the state. And so he he took it to court. I'm not I'm not too sure whether he ended up winning out or not, or if that's if this is an ongoing thing. But it's just the fact that uh, the government decided that his this child's own father was unfit to raise him simply because of his stance on masks. Yeah. And the fact that the the fact that the the government there even had the power to come into uh, this man's home and take his child from him is just scary as all hell. I can't imagine being an eight or nine year old child or whatever, and just having the police come into my house and say, okay, sorry, like, you know, your, your parents aren't fit enough to raise you. We're just going to take you. And I'm like, I'll be sitting there like, like, what did my dad do? Like my dad's been fine and everything. Like, I can't imagine the, the trauma that this kid is experiencing having to go through all of this. Well, it's, it's kind of a, uh, a moral hazard because you're ultimately going to have these kids who are. Uh, you know, a lot of these kids who don't think that they're right, they have gender dysphoria or whatever, they're, you know, they might have problems with their parents, uh, since their parents don't want, don't agree with this sort of thing or whatever. And they're most likely going to be coming from sort of divisive households. And it just, it, it's kind of a, a moral hazard to be throwing this in their face, like, hey, like, you can do this, and you can get away with it. And you can kind of like, stick it to your parents and the the government's going to back you up as a little child. The government's going to back you up and uh, fight with you against your parents just to, you know, change your gender. I think the definitely the uh, the end point that I would take away from that story, at least, is just the fact that government is not inherently good. Government does not inherently have your best interests in mind. Um, You know, especially in the United States, you know, we may elect our legislators, but that doesn't always mean that they don't have hidden agendas. It doesn't always mean um, that they're there to fight for you and that they're they're in that position to be your voice. You know, we see time and time again, legislators that get elected um, because they run on a specific platform. You know, Biden's definitely a perfect example. And I can think of plenty of other um, congressmen and women who are good examples of this as well, who ran on certain platforms um, saying that they were for certain policies or against certain things. And then once they get elected, they inevitably pivot because uh, they don't want to be cast out of that position of power. They want to maintain that power at all costs. You know, at the end of the day, they're there for self-interest. They're not there because they care about advocating for um, things that help you in your everyday lives. They're there to just maintain power. They're there to collect their paycheck and go to bed and do the same thing the next day. Yeah, and, and before we continue here, it's funny. It, it's funny that you bring that up because you uh, like you talk about them conforming. They just want to conform to get elected, and it's funny because they go back and they ask these politicians, like, "Oh, why? You know, what changed? Like, why? Like, why were you against Hillary Clinton? Why were you against gay marriage? But now you're for it." And it's like she didn't have a fundamental change. Change. She's just an old woman. Like she's almost. What is she like in her 70s or whatever? She doesn't care about that. That's not what she grew up on. She's a Southern Democrat. 
And those are historically a lot of the most racist people, but uh, it's all just to follow, follow the, follow the trend or whatever. Yeah, exactly. They, they conform to trends and they, uh, they do things when they become mainstream. So, you know, uh, you saw a lot of uh, Republicans and even Democrats when it was mainstream to be against gay marriage being legal. I don't know why that was ever even a thing, but um, you know, when it was mainstream to be against gay marriage being legal, all these politicians were all shilling for it. Oh, we're we're not going to legalize it. You know, y'all can go to hell, like that that whole kind of thing. But then when it became uh, when it became mainstream to legalize it, when that was a mainstream viewpoint. And when that started trending, you know, we started to see all these politicians that had constantly shilled against uh, it being legal were now all of a sudden saying, oh, yeah, we're going to legalize it. Like, it doesn't make any sense. You know, and they do this all the time. They do this with with just about everything. Yeah. And people still idolize these people. It's crazy, like Trump and like Hillary or whatever. And I can understand maybe voting for them while holding your nose and then criticizing them but you know just idolizing them is just wild well you know we're we're coming off the topic of gun control you know you could use trump as an yeah, example let's get back to that you can you can use trump as an example for that as well you know trump ran we, we've talked about this many many times before we talked about this i think in episode four when we talked about the end of the end of the trump era trump campaigned on being uh the most two a friendly president but then as soon as he gets to office and as soon as he gets pressured by by the left to enact gun control, what did he do? He did exactly that. He passes a policy that that set a very, very bad precedent um, that essentially allowed um, certain attachments and other things to be banned under the guise of an assault weapon. And um, one of the last things I wanted to talk about is... Um, these headlines that are making their rounds on social media right now that state and quote uh, mass shooting surge in insert state name here as nation faces record high. I'm, I'm, I'm honestly not even kidding you. If you search that headline um, and input a random state, uh, you could put your home state, you could put New York, California, Wisconsin, just about every single one of the states in the U S you can input that state name and that headline will pull up a news article. So if, you, if I were to search uh, mass shooting surge in Florida as nation faces record high, it will pull up that headline with Florida in, in the title, but it will also pull up the same headline with Wisconsin, with California, with New York, with Colorado, with all these different states. And it's the exact same headline and it's all over Google. And, you know, it's a perfect example of the fear-mongering by the media to push this whole gun control narrative. And the sad part is that we're dealing with people who are probably going to believe those headlines. You know, they're, they're going to see the one individual headline in whatever state it is and just be like, oh, wow, I didn't even know that. And then they're going to take that at face value and not even realize that that same headline exists in 40 other states or something like that. You know, and they, they take all this stuff at face value and believe it as gospel. Yeah, and there's like... Uh... And there's a lot of people that say that these articles are written by bots and it almost seems so when you're when you're saying that you can just pretty much it's like mad libs with your freaking your Google search. You just switch out one word and it's something else. But somebody that we both follow on Instagram mutually, he 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 makes a joke about, you know, these articles being written by bots. And he it, it's funny because a lot of them 
are names where it's almost like somebody made it up. It's almost like sexual. It's like Dick Buttkiss or something like that. And it's just like, it, it seems so unbelievable that this is even out there because, uh, you know, there's essentially nothing checking the media. And even if the media is really called out on something and they are supposed to retract something or whatever, they might delete the article, but they're not going to admit their faults. Or if they do, they're going to bury it under a pile of other shit. They're going to make up another headline or something. So there's really no responsibility there. But, you know, people were joking, saying the media was going to do this exact thing with uh, uh, saying that all these mass shootings that are, are at record highs are going to, you know, they're saying that mass shooting narrative was all going to come back once Joe Biden got got in office and the Democrats own the House and the Senate and the whole government. And now they, they finally have a vehicle to pass gun control. So it just seems fitting that they would really reignite the narrative now. And, um, you know, the thing is a lot of Republican congressmen will obviously receive flack when voting for gun control or deficit spending. Uh, I even saw a lot of people online posting all the Republicans' names that voted for these gun control and spending measures. They were calling these people out, posting their phone numbers and what district they were in. But obviously, Democrats stand to lose little by railing against the Second Amendment like this. And uh, a lot of their constituents are obviously not going to care about that. Um, but but like you said, Joe, Joe Biden did little or uh, he didn't really outline his position on gun control before he got in office. He was just kind of trying to play the moderate card. You know, he said a few things praising Beto O'Rourke, who famously said, hell yeah, we're coming for your AR-15s. But Joe himself really kept quiet. We all knew he was going to do something like that. Uh, you know, anybody who with a keen eye, any Republicans, probably people who watch Fox News or Libertarians or anybody, pretty much anybody who was paying attention really knew that he was going to implement gun control. But Joe wanted to play the center position just to win over enough of those never Trump Republicans and moderates. So uh, I guess I guess it was enough for him or supposedly he says. You know, Trump challenges that, but now he's just going to pass gun control and the media doesn't care, obviously. And I, I just hope anybody who voted for him that breaks one of his new laws goes to jail first. Yeah, I mean, it would definitely be fitting. <laughs> well, you know, there there are people that own guns that voted for Biden and obviously Biden, uh, you know, shotgun Joe or whatever. He's supposed to, you know, like all these basic FUD hunting guns, but maybe are, there's a lot of FUDs that did vote for Biden that don't really care about gun con or, you know, fighting tyranny or whatever. They just want to own guns for antique or sport or whatever. Well, you know, I think the problem, I guess, with that is the fact that they, they took him at his word. And that's, that's I, I think, the mistake that a lot of people make with, with just any politician in general. It doesn't matter, Democrat or Republican, um, is that, you know, people take these politicians at their word they take them at the stuff that they campaign on and expect that that's going to be what they end up passing or advocating for once they're in office and that's typically not the case we see time and time again that they pivot on all these positions and so that's the mistake that gun owners definitely made um if they voted for biden in that case is the fact that they took him at his word they took him at him saying that you know, him playing that middle position, him saying that he, he wasn't going to infringe on the Second Amendment or he wasn't going to pass any more gun control. 
you know, they took him at his word at that. And, and, you know, now they're, they're seeing the complete opposite, you know, that's the problem. And that's really a foolish mistake. And I want to really educate people against making this if they're, I, I hope the people that are listening to this podcast aren't foolish. I like to think a lot of them are, and I know a lot of people that listen to it and I love you guys, but it's just kind of foolish to vote for these people, you know, vote for Biden, who's obviously a Democrat, and not expect him to do something that's just slightly to the left of him or, you know, obviously uh, within his realm because he's sponsoring and passing stuff like this. But it's foolish not to assume that he's going to do left leaning stuff. I realize the the way that I just put that, it makes me sound like I, I don't trust people or that uh you know i'm i'm very picky with who i place trust in that's not at all the case you know it's just that the fact that we see time and time again um with politicians is the fact that they they pivot on different issues that they'll they'll run on something and as soon as they get into office they pivot to um the complete opposite position or the complete opposite stance on on whatever issue you voted them in for and that's why i'm very hesitant to trust just about any politician whether they're left or right is the fact that we constantly see them do this. Um, and so, you know, that's, that's why I'm hesitant to place trust in electing politicians to office because they're definitely, I, I would not say all of them do this, but uh, by and large, a lot of them do. And I, I think that's the problem that especially gun owners who, who, who chose to vote for Biden is that they place trust in him uh, when they probably should not have. Because they, you know, he ran on that policy of, you know, that middle policy of not infringing on the Second Amendment, but yet that's exactly what he's doing. That policy of I could go either way. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, you have to screw around with him and find out, or whatever, which way he's going to go. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I think that's really all we had for you guys this week. Um, you know, those are definitely um, two big topics of discussion this week, and we hope you guys paid as much attention to those as we did this week, because there's definitely a lot to take away from both, you know, both this COVID relief bill and, and the, the gun control bill got, that got passed. There's a lot to learn from those two situations, um, a lot to take away, and, you know, the way that they're going to affect everybody in the future, we're, we're going to see how a lot of that plays out. A lot of ignorance and a lot of just throwing, uh, throwing money or throwing whatever laws at a situation to try to fix things. But obviously, we all know, right, guys? Because because you listen to us, you know by now that uh, that these things are ignorant and uh, they're only going to cause more issues. So, yeah, guys, thank you for listening. Have a great week. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Free For All Podcast. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. Make sure to follow and subscribe to the show and connect with us on Instagram to keep up to date with all the latest content. Peace.